Welcome back to another episode of Giant Cocktails, the podcast where two lifelong Giants fans talk about their favorite baseball team while enjoying homemade cocktails. I'm one of your hosts, Ben Henry, alongside my brother, Matthew Henry. How are you doing today, Matthew? I'm doing great, thanks. How about yourself? Right. I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. Today is May the second Sunday, May the second, as we record this bod- podcast, the Giants went three and three this week, beating the lowly and really quite bad uh, Colorado Rockies, two to one. Uh, we'll talk a bit about that one, and uh, unfortunately, dropping the series against the the San Diego Padres, uh, one and two, to bring their season series against the Padres to uh, three and three. Uh, overall, a a decent week. I, I think the most important takeaway from this week, though, is uh, their record, which now stands at 17 and 11, a, a very impressive record indeed. Um, but with that said, what are you drinking? Uh, well, my my favorite all time cocktail is a margarita. I uh, I will order them at different places just so I can see how that particular bartender makes them. What can I learn? Uh, you know, and, and everyone's got a little bit of a different take, and there are lots of different takes on on margaritas. And so, yeah, I figured at the end of the month, as you mentioned, we're seventeen and eleven, and I feel like, you know, we're looking pretty good. We, you could even say we're coming out smelling like a rose, right? And oh, and and the reason I say that is because uh, today my drink is called the Honey Rose Margarita. Okay. And, okay. I see the tie in there. I the see how you did that. There. Yeah, yep, it was, it was yep. a connection. I see it that. Was. It's clever. It's nice. It I was. Like that. You know, it's not not tied to a player this time, but to the fact that we we are looking pretty good and smelling quite nice. I, I might add. So, uh, so this this recipe is actually I stole it straight from the Quantro uh, website. Nice. Uh, they've got a number of you know cocktail recipes that feature Quantro on their website, and so this one has Quantro Blanco tequila. Uh, lemon juice instead of lime juice and then it's got uh, honey water and a couple dashes of rose water Uh, so it's got this kind of floral hints to it and the honey is you know makes it this kind of a honey or a sweet honey and the honey that I actually chose was a orange blossom honey that I just happen to have in my cupboard and I think it pairs quite nicely with the citrus so all in all I'm I'm loving this I think it's a nice uh, little take on a margarita not quite as sweet as Maybe, um, you know, something with agave syrup or, or something like that, but because uh, the honey syrup's a little more subdued, but uh, but quite nice. So that is what I'm drinking today. What are you drinking, Ben? Well, Matthew, uh, so first of all, I, I want to say I, I, I'm i glad that your honey is sweet. I, I hate it when we have bitter honey. Don't you? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm glad you got that, that sweet honey in there as opposed to that nasty bitter honey. Bitter honey sucks. Yeah. But also, I'm a little bit curious about this this uh, this honey water, you said? was it? So you like dilute the, the, the honey with a little bit of water? Is that what's going on? Well, you dilute. You, you actually have water that you put honey into. You kind of, it's almost making like a simple syrup out of honey uh, right. is really what it is. But it's uh, it's not quite as sweet in my in my mind. Right, right, sure, okay. And you can I, make I it see. to so taste. You, you, I, you I just the syrup, the honey, a little less, a little less viscous, a little more uh, liquidy, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, yeah. I, I just, I was just curious about that. Did you salt your rim this time? I did not. The recipe did not call for a salted rim. Okay. Uh, and I didn't want to, I thought maybe it was because of the rose, uh, you oh, know, kind yeah, of thing, floral fair. thing. So, that's fair. so yeah, and I, I'm not missing it. I think, I think it's fine. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, no, not every margarita has to have a salty rim. In fact, I think in general, like your your fancy margaritas don't come that way. I don't know if that's just because it's like you know pretentious bartenders don't want to salt the rim or what, but <laughs> in my experience, that. that that has been the uh, that has been the case. Uh, I like that you went the easy route uh, for for getting the recipe, you know, and and I, I think there's always a something to be said about. Uh, taking a recipe from somebody who knows what they're doing and and one would at least hope that the the people at Cointreau know how to make a a decent cocktail using their own liqueur um I also went uh to a a a tested and uh well um regarded uh source for my recipe because I also did not make it you know we've been going through these past few weeks where we've been building our own recipes and We've done some really outlandish and crazy things. I think you put lemon curd in one of yours. Exhausting. And, yeah. Exhausting. And, you know, lemon curd's not, not my finest moment. <laughs> I and I got a some... whole jar of lemon curd now in my refrigerator that I don't yeah. know what to do with. So. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I was thinking about that later and I was like, wouldn't that be a little chunky? I, I wonder, I wonder how that came, that, that came out of the, uh, the, the whole process of the lemon curd, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, anyway, we, we've been very adventurous is what I'm trying to say, you know, and, and, and I think it was like getting back to basics, you know, getting back to, to something that, you know, was maybe within our uh, capabilities, you know, uh, I think we, we got a little too adventurous, or at least I was getting a little too adventurous you know, I, I went and bought hypnotic liqueur just so I could make a cocktail blue. And, you know, I, I had a long talk with myself in the mirror, just asking myself, where was I going and where was I taking myself in my life? And, and what is it all coming down to? So this week I went back to my favorite uh, cocktail book called The Twelve Bottle Bar, and I pulled a recipe right out of there. This is a basil cucumber vodka gimlet. And it is... Um, let's see, you take uh, about eight to 10 leaves of basil and uh, some cucumber, and then you end up muddling that together with crushed ice. And the crushed ice helps, you know, tear up the basil leaves and, and helps muddle the, the cucumber. And then you shake that with a little bit of um, simple syrup and, and lime juice. So about half an ounce of each. I actually still had some of the oleosaccharum from a couple of cocktails ago. So I just finished that off in this cocktail as my simple syrup. So extra limey. And the cocktail actually comes out this very beautiful green color. And I went ahead and garnished that with one of the basil leaves. And, and then I took a mandolin and I sliced a one of those baby cucumbers, which is what I used in this cocktail, kind of long ways, and uh, got this nice, um, you know, slim slice of uh, cucumber in there. And it is a very fresh and uh, light cocktail. It's, uh, I like it a little sweeter, so that's why I put in a half an ounce of simple syrup. You can go for less and just to do it to taste. Uh, and it's, it's just a nice, tart, citrusy cocktail but the cucumber and the basil are very summer-like, you know? So I think we're getting into May, and I know you went through this kick where you were making all of these uh, uh, summer-focused, summer-forward cocktails, and I think I'm just starting to get into that swing of things, too. And so this one's a very nice and enjoyable cocktail. And uh, I, I must say, it's uh, it's not one I'd ever made before, so I, I, I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Well, 
Enjoy that cocktail. It sounds. Sorry, I just took a long drink. I just took a long drink because it's been. I've been waiting to drink it. I, I don't know. I feel like this need to make to 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 leave the cocktail untouched until this moment, and it's been sitting here staring me in the face for quite a while. And so now I just needed to. Well, needed catch to up because I'm. Personal. I'm halfway through my margarita, so, so so catch up. Done. All right. Caught up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you know, you'd mentioned in the intro that, uh, you know, we, we had a, uh, you know, some, some good and bad this week. And, you know, and I think, you know, the, the starting pitching continues to, to, to pitch well. You know, the one loss to the Rockies hurts me a little bit because I was really hoping that we were going to have like some payback from that. What was it? The 80... 1993 when 90... they went 0-13 against yes. the Atlanta Braves and cost the Giants a one game playoff against those said Braves to let the Giants and their 103 wins have a shot at the playoffs because the Rockies sucked so hard? Yes, that. Exactly. Is that what you're talking about? I, yeah, I, I barely remember so. that. Yeah, you yeah. barely remember that. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember it like it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. And and so I was really hoping that we could go undefeated against the Rockies this year. And... I hope that every year. I hope that every year I hope that we can go undefeated against the Rockies. I, I also but this, hope... this year I felt like there was a chance. Like, no, like, there definitely was a chance. Yes. No, we should be embarrassed about that loss. Yeah, well, we should definitely be embarrassed about that loss. Because actually, that was the Rockies' first road win this season. Yeah. 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 And and Gausman pitches eight innings of two-hit ball with 11 strikeouts. We got to win a game like that. right? I mean, your, your starting pitcher goes eight. Against the and, worst team in baseball? And yes. strikes out 11. And yes. and you don't win. Yes. Is, uh yeah. Anyway, and 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 the biggest thing that out of that was kind of the theme that we've been seeing. I've been really hesitant to bash our bullpen because I keep thinking that it's going to come around. But I think, <laughs> I, but I think maybe now we needed to, to to really just be like, you know what, it sucks. And <laughs> welcome, and... welcome to the pessimistic bench. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, scoot oh, over and make that some room uh, for you. Know, I, you know, I think early on I was like, well, Whistler won't be bad all season, and Whistler's been bad, and you know, and then I'm thinking, well, you know, Peralta's a a uh, veteran that's been here. He's get proven to get major league hitters out. Who? Yeah, right. Former Giant Wandy Peralta. Do you remember him? I I do. I do remember him. Uh, what's yes, I do. I do remember Wandy Peralta. What's interesting is last week I said the Giants needed to go out and get a reliever, but my concern was that they were going to have a hard time finding one. And Yan- look what Yankees. the New York the New York Yankees found one. Yeah, Yankees <laughs> didn't have any trouble finding a reliever. <laughs> for those of you who are wondering, you know, they found Wandy Peralta, and we traded Wandy Peralta away for uh, is it Mike? Mike. Talk- Mike, Mike Talkman, Talkman, I think is Talkman. Yeah, who we like. Like, don't get me wrong. Totally. After after today, I really like him. But, uh, but I, I, I did, yes, yes. I'm sorry, you were ranting about the bullpen. I didn't. I don't let me get in your way. Well, I, I think that's a nice segue into the trade, right? I mean, I think, right. I think. And what's interesting about that is, like, as you mentioned, you know, we're we're thinking that we need bullpen help. And Zaidi's like, I got enough arms. You know, uh, what we need is a, is another versatile outfielder. And and so what I think is interesting about that, too, is what does that say uh, between the dynamics between Kapler and Zaidi? Because, you know, Zaidi Zaidi creates the roster. 
Yeah. And Kapler uses the uses players it. that Zaidi yeah. puts on the roster. And so if you're only using Rodgers and McGee over and over and over again, I feel like there was a total power play that Zaidi was like, you, you, oh, you think that the bullpen's bad? Well, I can what? make it worse. <laughs> well, that's right. Yeah, that's, that's really what it looked like to me. It was like, oh, you think it's bad? Let me take away your third favorite toy. <laughs> And I'm taking away your third favorite toy just so that you know I can take away any toy I want at any time. Well, and you know you know what changed, Matthew, is we saw a lot of Berger, We saw a lot of um, Alvarez, a lot more of those two guys than we had been seeing. And Camilo. Saw, and Camilo. Camilo has pitched in a lot more games. Whose name uh, I remembered this week. So. That's right. Good job. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. We saw Gregory Santos even be used until, until he... You know, he, until that outing with the Rockies, and at which point they, they shipped him yep. away, and they finally made a a forty man roster change that that impacted the bullpen, which they had been very very reluctant to do all all you know well at least this first month. So yeah, so that's that's what happened. That's how I saw it. I mean, I think there's this impression that that when a team is built that the, the the general manager and the manager are in complete lockstep and they know exactly what they're doing and there's this huge, you know, th- this big agreement. I used to think that. And then and then I saw Moneyball and read the book and, and saw how that relationship between Billy Bean and Art Howe was portrayed. And I know that was just fiction. But it, it does p- kind of point out that, yeah, a lot of times, no, there's a lot of disagreement between those two entities. And, and certainly the way that Kapler was using Rodgers and McGee, I think, was making a statement as to what he felt about the rest of that bullpen. And I think the move that Zaidi went and made is he went and got a guy who he found out was available that he really, really liked and had had his eyes on for a long time. And he spent a piece of the bullpen that Kapler already thought wasn't good enough. And... And he said, Zaidi said, this is an area where we have depth. Right. And I thought that was very telling because like, and what he meant specifically was left-handed relievers. Right. To be clear, not our bullpen. But I thought it was very interesting because he was like, no, left-handed relieving is our depth right now. And so we're, we're able to make a change there. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, it, it was, it was shocking to me. It was a shocking trade. I couldn't believe it because I was like, this is our third best reliever right now. And and you got an outfielder for him. And and it made me a little bit worried about, well, gosh, how hurt is, is Yastrzemski if you're going and getting this guy? And I don't know if that has anything to do with anything. But but it was also really interesting that regardless of whether what's going on in that situation, they were making their bullpen worse. Well, and we'll see if it makes it worse because I don't think... I mean, it was pretty bad. And so, you know, something had to change. And so, you know, who were you going to move out of there? And so they, they DFA'd Skybolt, all-name team, Skybolt, and uh, who played a total of, like, maybe a game or two, I think, for us. Games, I think. Yeah. And so they, they DFA'd him, made roster spot for Zach Littell, who had a pretty good spring. And... And doing a little research on him, turns out that you know he has been working on a split finger, I believe, and a splitter that has uh, will help him uh, be more effective against left-handers because left-handers in his career have hit 292 against him. 
And so he's been uh, working on that pitch, and uh, they are confident that I guess he's been doing well at the at the you know the the what do they call that the the alter, alternative site the alternative uh, site yes or the alternate site not alternative maybe alternate alternate site yes I'm gonna yes. go with alternate site so they're going yeah apparently he's done either that or well. alternative site I'm not sure. But uh, either way, he'd done very well at whatever they want to call that. And uh, so, I, you know, I'm, I, why not, right? He's a right-handed reliever, uh, adds a little more balance to the bullpen, and uh, it couldn't be worse than what we've been looking at, I think. And as I say that, I'm thinking, well, I guess it could be worse. But, uh, but why not try something new? And <laughs> so I think that that's, you know, I'm all for it. Let's bring on, you know, someone else. So, you know, so now we've got a little bit more balanced bullpen, Uh Fast forward to the Padres, and the, the one thing that I take away that I took on the Padres is, could we get anybody out in the first inning? You know, it just seems like every game we were down, and it had to do with, like, Tatis and, you know, and these guys that are, I mean, they've got some really good hitters, and, you know, and as good as our starting pitchers are, it seems maybe they, 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 they need an inning to I think to the rest of, of the National League is asking that same question. Can we get these guys out? Yeah. Uh, can we can is how do we do that exactly <laughs> i mean I, I i feel you i feel you it was frustrating it's it was frustrating, frustrating to be behind after like you know one inning but uh uh you know and so that that was kind of my one takeaway is that we were we played them tough and it just seemed like you know, we were always playing from behind i don't know if we even ever had the lead uh before saturday sunday rather so uh it was a little tough uh to watch but but, uh, you know, but we played them tough. And I thought we could have, I don't say should have, because you, you never, I mean, if you don't win, you shouldn't have won. But I think there's, there's, we played them tough enough to where I feel like we could have done, you know, better than our one and two against them. You know, rough on Friday comes six inches from a grand slam. Uh, you know, they say baseball is a game of inches. And that was one right there where the umpire even thought it was a home run. And we were all, I was dancing in my living room and like, you know, cheering. And then all of a sudden like, oh, wait, that wasn't a home run. And everybody had to go back. And then, of course, he struck out. And so it was, uh, you know, it, was, it wasn't quite what we thought it was going to be. But I feel like, you know, we, those, that was a good example of how we had our chances and we came close and we just couldn't get over that hump. And, and, and I know it's an away series and you, know, you should be happy to win one out of two you know, when you're playing away against a rough team. But I think we had our chances and that's a little frustrating. I, I mean, I think every game is its own unique thing. And I think you can say that after the fact to sort of ease the pain, you know, or, or you know, just say, you know, hey, we're okay. We can move forward from this place. This is not the end of the world, which I think is true. But I will say that the game on Friday was hugely frustrating. They had so many opportunities at the plate to win that game, and they couldn't get it done. And, you know, the, yes, the, 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 the almost grand slam by Ruff was, was a heartbreaking, but there were a lot of other opportunities that the Giants had in that game to, uh, to take the lead. They were 0 for 9 in that game with runners in scoring position, Ouch. right? And that just, that's, that's brutal. That's brutal. And, you know, if they connect on any one of those, they tie or win the game. And so, you know, they they, they likely could have won the game if they hit, got a hit on any one of those at-bats, right? And, and you know, they did get a great performance out of the bullpen with, with Zach Littell and Sam Selman, who I think was briefly with the team for uh, 
I don't remember exactly. The, the roster has gone through so many shuffles over the last few days. But but they got a great outing from those three guys that was good enough to, to win the game, and they just couldn't come through. So I think Friday was really frustrating. It was a game that they could have won and didn't. I didn't feel like, you know, but at the end of the day, you, you do have games where you go over in your, your runners in scoring position situations, and, and we know that. We've seen Giants teams that were, seem to do that every day. Uh, in the past, but it happens. It happens. I, I think, I think for me, the biggest thing about the Padres series was that I think when you looked at these two teams, to me, they felt, they felt mostly even, right? Like I don't look at the Padres and the, when the Giants are playing them and think this team is way better than the Giants, you know, and I don't know if that means that the Padres aren't as good as everybody thought they were or the Giants are better than everybody thought they were or a little bit of both. Or if I'm just a, you know, a diehard Giants fan and I'm, you know, delusional. But but the point is, these two teams do not look like they're that far apart. But I will say it, the bullpen. Yes, the bullpen, I think, especially on Saturday was where the weak spot really glared. And, you know, I mean, in that particular case, unfortunately, it was. You know Camilo, who I think you know we we both like Camilo a lot, and we you know he's he's entertained us quite a bit, and we've talked about him quite a bit on this in our podcast. Um, but he finally had a rough outing, and of course you know he had a couple of runners that were on base, and then and then Alvarez could not come in and pick him up. So I, I think I think Saturday really just sort of exemplified like if there's any area where these two teams um, there's any separation between these two teams, it's definitely the bullpen. Specifically, the Giants' um, lack of, of depth within the bullpen, for sure. Yeah. Well, and I guess, you know, speaking of depth, uh, you know, we, one of the things I think the Giants have built themselves up to be is depth in their uh, on, on the on offense. And, right. uh, and so, you know, that's being tested now. We've had a bunch of people go down, including Tommy LaStella today. Uh, looks like he's going to miss some time. You know, we've already had Crawford has a contusion in his calf. He's missing some time, just a few days, it seems like. But then you have Solano that's out, also on the IL. Uh, so now we're bringing up Vossler, who was one of our our earliest free agent signing, I think, during the offseason. He's already had a cup of coffee, got his first major league hit last week with the Giants, then got sent back down to the minor league. Now it looks like he'll – they haven't made a move, but I imagine that will be the guy. So the roster depth is being tested, and, you know, I feel like – Every time you know we get tested, the everyone seems to really step up and perform, and maybe just the the pessimist in me is like, yeah, that can't keep happening, right? At some point, you know, we're going to, you know, it's that that lack of you know, having our starters in the lineup is going to bite us in the butt. But I, you know, but for now, who, who knows? Maybe Vossler will come up and perform well, and you know, we'll keep rolling. But you can't keep counting on that, so I'm a little nervous about that. Well, I think it's it's right to be nervous about injuries. First of all, every team can be bit by the injury bug. We we know we know that, but you know that is one of the things why you want to have a lot of depth. Uh, and I think that is one of the reasons also why you know any the pundits in general get nervous about teams that are old, right? So because old players tend to fall off in performance, you know, pretty quickly, and they also get hurt more often, theoretically. And so that is that is obviously a, a concern. But I think it's particularly a concern with the Giants just because of the amount of injury history that they have and plus their age. But that being said, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, yes, the, the depth is being tested right now. 
but I don't think we're scraping the bottom of the barrel yet. But yeah, I mean, it can't continue like this. It can't continue at this rate, and and for and and for us to expect that they'll they'll keep you know scraping by. But uh, I don't think there's really much that can be done there other than just to hope it doesn't happen, right? I think they did everything they could to make this roster be deep in that area, and they did a lot. You know, aside from doing what you know every fan wanted, which is you know signing superstars at every position for you know you know a billion dollars and and just you know going all in. No, they didn't do that. But beyond, but you know, given what they were, the, the, given the parameters that they've given themselves, they did quite a bit to to add depth there, and so yeah. far it's holding together. So. Well, and yeah, I, I'm worried about it. I'm super worried about it. But what else is there to be done, right? I mean, you just. Well, I'm not going to panic because you're right. I think they, you know, they built this team to have some depth. But I, I, I'm telling you right now, if Tyro Estrada gets called up, then I'm panicking. <laughs> okay, then, then okay. I'm, then I'm like, okay, that's because then we've got Dubon and Estrada playing shortstop, and neither of them are hitting. Well, I, I don't know. Maybe Estrada will come up and be the next. You know, I don't know, like. Uh, uh, Fernando Tatis, but I, uh, I doubt it. So anyway, you know, the one thing that I want, before we wrap this up about this last week, I, I, I did want to talk, you know, Alex Wood had a couple of great moments this, well, he had a couple moments this week. One is that between his last two starts, he had like over 13 consecutive hitless innings. Like he gave up a leadoff home run to the Marlins in his you know previous start. And then I think he did pitch seven hitless after that. And then he went almost six full, or maybe went over six, yeah, six and two thirds, I think, of hitless innings against the Rockies. So he is pitching lights out, which is great to see. I mean, good. I mean, I think we should all just go get an ablation because <laughs> I'm I'm feeling a little little stiff and a little, I, I might need a little pick me up. And if an ablation is going to do it, then I'm all for it. Burn, burn my nerves, man. I'm I'm ready for it. I think that's uh, just called old age, dude. Okay, well, yeah, I don't think regardless. they have ablations for that. No, because no. I'll I'll get an ablation if I could feel like that. Anyway, but then on the flip side. All of a sudden, you know, the other night he decides he's Ricky Henderson. And I, just I thought that like... was a great moment. I, I don't know why you say that wasn't a great moment. That was a fantastic moment. <laughs> well, it's fantastic because we won. But, like, I mean, he's he's got he's in scoring position. And he's like, all of a sudden, I think I can make it. I, I know. I can. And, and it's not like he stole on the catcher. He thought he was going to be sneaky like sneaky and just sneak over to third base, uh, you know, while the pitcher wasn't paying attention. I mean, like, I, so it, and then his slide into third base was like, like, I, don't oh, know, like I thought it was more like a somersault. I it was, <laughs> I, it was, you can't call it a slide. It was like a tumble. I don't even know. And so like, I think I, he did like a pirouette, like hit his feet on the back of the bag, going the wrong direction and then kind of rolled over it. it yeah. It, and then he let, he landed in like the third, the third base box, like coach's box. And, you know, and even like, like you know, even even the third base coach is like, yeah. I'm, I'm. Do you think anybody saw that? <laughs> <laughs> Kapler saw it. Yeah, he did. <laughs> and then like, the the inter- the, uh, the press conference after the game, he was just like, he said, "We can't be doing that. We, can, we can't have that happen. That can't happen." I think he said that like a thousand times. Alex Wood Wood knows that that can't happen. And and I think he'd been saying that to himself since that inning, right? I mean, he just yeah. kept saying that over. It can't happen. I can't, can't believe happen. he did that. That can't no, happen. Can't, that can't happen. That can't happen. That can't happen. And I I I thought it was fantastic. I just to see this guy who you know, I mean, if he had looked down 
at his chest, he would have seen that he was wearing the jacket <laughs> that says, I'm the dork that can't play baseball and run the bases without having a special jacket on because it's too cold, right? <laughs> if that's not a signal that you're not like the most um, able body out there running the bases, then, then I don't know what is. But but yes, he looked like he looked like a kid in Little League who was just like jumping off the bag as soon as he was allowed to and was like, I'm going to make it to third because I'm so fast. And that, that was literally what it looked like to me. He was like, I can do it. I'm so fast. And it was just like, you are a grown man who is a paid professional to do this. This is not the moment for you to go all eight-year-old. But you know what? I'm glad he did because it was really funny. <laughs> and, and, you know, I mean, even if they had lost that game, it would have been one of those things that you would have bitched about for a long time, or at least I would have bitched about it for a long time. And imagine that that ends up, you know, being they had lost that game and then they lose the playoff spot by one place. We could have bitched about that for decades, right? <laughs> and so, you know, I mean, I don't think we should think of like as every moment that's bad, not necessarily entertaining, because that was pure entertainment. Yeah, that can't happen, and hopefully it never happens again. But at the same time, I'm kind of glad. That I got to see it. Well, then pay attention because this is the last year you'll see it, right? I mean, we'll never see a pitcher running the bases after this season. So, uh, well, I don't know <laughs> how long is Gabe Kapler going to be managing. That's the right. Fans? Gabe Kapler will be like, I have a feeling like, that he's going to be throwing guys. I'm putting out you out on the bases. Right. Yeah, there's going to be pinch runner of, Alex Wood. Lots next of year. pitchers hitting and running, you know, because he's going to use all of his bench by the seventh inning. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that's the last time we've seen that. <laughs> It's just going to get worse. <laughs> All right. Now they're going to have no coaching. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't want to think about that anymore. So not only did we end the week, but we ended the month. And like you mentioned, mm-hmm. 17 and 11. Uh, first place. When we ended the month, we were in first place by half That's a game right. in the National League West. Uh, one of the best records in baseball. Uh, nobody, except maybe me, saw that coming. All right. All right. Not even I saw that coming, but I was thinking, yeah, we'd be competitive. I thought we'd be over 500, but 17 and 11 was, uh, was, was pretty nice. And I know you and I had talked about it earlier about what they needed to be at the end of the first month, because this was kind of an easier month, right? We had, you know, the Rockies, you know, know, several series and, you know, we had the Marlins and the Phillies. And so there was some, some hope that we could end the month uh, on a high note. And we did. Uh, But now we go into month two which gets significantly harder only because we play the Padres and the Dodgers a lot uh but I don't want to get into that quite yet because I I know you were mentioning to me the other day that that history tells us something about being in first place at the end of the month that's right so history says that uh you have a 50 percent chance of finishing the season in first place if you finish the first month in first place uh, through 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 the 2019 season, they didn't factor in the 2020 season because that was even more likely, obviously, because a month into the season, you were halfway through the season last year. So the, last year doesn't count in that. But through all through two, 2019, if you were in first place at the end of the first month, then you had a 50-50 chance of being in first place at the end of the uh, at the end of the season. So it's it's basically means it's highly indicative that your team is legitimately good. And, and is legitimately better than, than the rest of the teams in the league. It also means you've banked a lot of wins, and 
And even if you're maybe playing over your head, uh, you still get credit for those wins, and it's going to be harder for everybody else to catch you. So it's, it's, it's a fantastic sign. It's a great sign. I will point out, though, that nobody believes in the Giants yet still, though. <laughs> so I, I, think, uh, I think the Fangraphs uh, estimates that they now have a 15% chance of making the playoffs. Now, that's way better than the 5% chance that they gave them at the beginning of the season. So obviously they're getting credit for, for this run, but uh, I don't think anybody quite believes in the Giants yet. And I think that's mainly because everybody is still so enamored with, with the Dodgers and, and the Padres. Um, you know, and, and maybe rightly so. I don't think either of those teams have demonstrated that they don't deserve uh, to be talked about. But, uh, but yeah, it's a really good sign. It's a really good sign that they are in first place. And just getting back to that month thing, I think at the beginning of the season or in the preseason, I was talking about the first 25 games, and we're a little bit beyond that right now. But I was saying that if they could go 13 and 12, that would be really good. Uh, and ideally, they would go 15 and 10, and they ended up going 16 and 9 in that stretch, which is just outstanding, outstanding. Uh, and uh, it, 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 I mean, it was a great month, Matthew. I, I don't, I, I don't think everybody is surprised. I, I'm surprised. Uh, you know, like even said, you were surprised, and you, you, you were very high on this team in yeah. in, in spring, and you know, I wasn't. But, uh, you know, I think nobody, we just didn't, we just nobody saw this rotation coming. You know, I, I think that is, is, is what happened. I, I think the, the, the starting rotation has just been a revelation. Well, and, and speaking to that, you know, that, that rotation, to give you an illustration of how historic this has been. Uh, so there's a Twitter account called Stats by Stats that uh, puts out some interesting statistics. And uh, this week they put out a, a tweet that said that the Giants had the chance to be only the second team since 1913 to have all five starters, their top five starters, be under 2.5 uh, ERAs. And, and they were counting Cueto instead of Webb in that. Uh, so uh, Webb wasn't included in that. Uh, but Still gives you a a an insight into how historically good this rotation has been. I mean, they are uh, the second best all time after one month, and so is that sustainable? You know, part of me wants to say, "Heck yeah, that's sustainable." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> probably not you know it would be great if all five starters had a 2.5 and they're not even close to 2.5 i think the biggest one was 2.22 or something i mean we are we've got guys that are just throwing lights out but but uh you know I, it just is indication how good they are and you know give credit to zaidi for finding these guys and, and to the coaching that you know i think that's one of the good things that I think has been an aha moment for me over the last since Zaidi and Kapler and them came in is that in my mind pre back in the day, I would think that once you're a major league player, you've kind of are what you are, you know, and that, you, you know, the, the coaching staff, how much coaching can they do when you're playing 162 games over, you know, uh, over 180 days, right? I mean, it's just how – I just don't know how much you can do. Well, it seems like this this coaching staff – and Kapler built this coaching staff to teach. And and they are teaching, and to the credit of every, you know, offensive player and pitchers, they are taking this uh, these teachings and they're getting better. And I think I think – you know, pitchers are choosing the Giants because of the reputation now that they have about, you know, uh, re about bringing pitchers out of 
maybe their their rough you know stretch of their careers and and reimagining them in a new way but even offensive players are are doing that i mean we'll talk a little bit about buster posey later but you know i mean buster's having a you know a, a career year almost and so it is just they're, and it's through coaching. They're, they're coaching these guys on, on ways that they can be better. And I think that that's, that's pretty cool. I think that it's a little bit underrated that the coaches are doing such a great job at the major league level of improving longstanding veterans and you know guys that have been doing it and maybe have been successful in the past. And now I think they're using analytics to kind of analyze how, how they've been successful in the past and how they can be successful going forward. And it's working. So you know, I think that that's something that's been really cool. And, and so I have hope that this, this starting rotation, if they stay healthy, you know, will be, uh, you know, a real asset for us all year and could be, why not? It could be historically great, you know, uh, because they are pitching at that level right now. I mean, they've done it this far against some really good hitting teams, you know, especially the Padres, right? They played the Padres for six games and, I don't know that the Padres have scored a ton of runs in any one of those games. I think six runs on Saturday was the the most that the the, the, the Padres have scored in this series, and uh, you know it's I I don't see why they couldn't continue to perform at this level. I mean, obviously there's a whole thing around adjustments, and and maybe the league will figure them out, and and they'll have to you know make their own counter adjustments and that sort of thing. And yeah, they've got some good teams that they need to play. They haven't faced the Dodgers lineup yet, but uh, you know, and there's some other good teams on the East Coast that they they have to face as well. So, you know, there's there's tests that are coming. And then also we have to just see whether or not, you know, the the number of innings that they have to pitch, you know, catch up to them as well. But, you know, I, I think, honestly, I think that's really the biggest concern at this point is can they continue to do it for the rest of the season? I, I think they have the talent. They have the skills. Uh, so it really just is going to come down to, you know, adjustments and can they do counter adjustments and it's going to come down to um, fatigue, right? And, and whether or not they, have, they, can, they can manage the wear and tear through, through a full season. And I think that that remains to be seen. And I'm not even talking about injury there. I'm just talking about, you know, can they pitch, you know, as effectively in August as they are now? And, um, you know, I think, but I think that's really the biggest, the biggest thing that's, that's going to get them, the most likely thing that's going to get them. It is interesting what you say about the coaching, because I, I think that's never really something that you hear much about in Major League Baseball, right? And I think right. we all get that impression, right? Like players are developed in the minor leagues and, and then they show up and they're they're superstars right right away or there there are they are going to be you know they are what they're ever what they're always going to be when they first show up and, and maybe there's like a season of them getting acclimated but then after that it's just they're just the same player year after year after year and i think we know that's not true but what you certainly don't ever hear about is what role the coaches play in the evolution of players and how that interaction impacts what the players do and don't do. I think I've heard more about, you know, players, oh, he developed this pitch during the off season, right? And you often hear these stories about, oh, he went and did all this work during the off season. When, when this player had the time to go do it by himself and figure these things out by himself, you hear that story all the time. Um, but you don't really hear a lot of in-depth analysis about what coaches are doing to improve players, uh, you know, day to day. And uh, I, I think that really is, I would love to know more about it. You know, I, I think, 
I think probably teams are probably pretty secretive about it, right? Because they probably don't want people to know what they're working on. Uh, so you probably don't hear a lot about it for that particular reason. But uh, it really is interesting because it's, yes, it seems to be the case with the Giants, that the Giants have gone out, identified people as free agents and said, who maybe were undervalued and said, you know, hey, look, you do this one thing and we think you can do it better and we think you can do it uh, and you can be more effective if you do it more often. Right. Yeah. And then I think they also look at the veterans that the Giants already have and they said, you know, some of the same things, first of all. And then secondly, they're like, hey, we think we see something that you could tweak or change and it could make you better. And it's definitely having an impact. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's super cool. I, I definitely think it's part of what this coaching staff brings. I would love to know more about it. But, you know, yeah. but I, <laughs> my guess is that's a trade secret. So I don't know. Well, and I think I mean, just looking at Posey, let's talk about Posey because he has been amazing. And you, you texted me his numbers this, uh, today. And a 359 batting average, 423 on base percentage, and a 688 slugging. I mean, his OPS is over 1,100. And he is, I mean, just, uh, I wish he would hit home runs with runners on base. That's my only quibble. Um, <laughs> but, but I he, think the team has to get more runners on base in yeah. front of him in order for that to happen. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I, but he has been amazing. And it's, you know, I think early on, I think right before the season started, you and I were like, I'd love to see Buster Posey of old. And, mm -hmm. and, and we're seeing Buster Posey of old. We, I mean, he, he might be his best version ever and it is, it's amazing. And, uh, so that has been fun. I, you know, I am going to go on the bandwagon right now and say Buster Posey MVP, you know, <laughs> and because, I mean, he's playing at that level and if he were to keep this up, uh, he should be considered, you know, an MVP and, yeah, you know, and I think you know the the offense in general has you know Posey's been doing it all year, but you know we struggled out the gate. Uh, but there have been guys that have been you know kind of coming around. We're starting to see. I mean, unfortunately, they're starting just as they're coming around, they get hurt. Yastrzemski was starting to kind of find it before he got hurt. Mm -hmm. uh, Lestella actually was, you know, he hit well today and was, you know, starting to hit well uh, before he got hurt today. Uh, but, you know, I think we're starting to see the, the, the offense that we knew was there. I mean, last year they were eighth in the, in the league in runs, uh, you know, in the major leagues in runs produced and runs scored. And I think we were starting to see that again, which was fun, you know, and, and then when they went and got Talkman, you know, what reminded me about that was that, you know, Yastrem you mentioned you know, them finding guys under the radar. Well, that, you know, Yastrzemski and Dickerson, uh -huh. you know, are two guys that they pulled off the scrap heaps, you know, I'm, you know, coached them up, you know, so to speak. And, you know, and they became, you know, really integral parts of our offense. And I feel like now I'm kind of expecting Talkman to be the same way. Like, you know, I mean, 2019, he was a really good player. And last year he was really bad. And so I think they're banking on that they can find 2019 Talkman again. And, you know, he's looked pretty good so far. So, yeah, I agree. I, well, I think one of the things about Talkman is, is that, they saw that potential in him. Like they saw the 2019 version of him before 2019. Yeah. Right. So I don't think this is just like a, a situation where they saw a guy who had a good year and they went after him because he was good two years ago. No, Zaidi said, actually said that he had been trying to get him uh, since he was in Colorado. Right. Uh, so, and so, so he had not, he's been on his radar for a long time. Right, which I think is an excellent sign that whatever, you know, his struggles were in 2020 might be fixable, 
right? And the Giants might have a good idea of what what they can do to fix that because they're familiar with him already because they've been watching him for so long. So, you know, I, I think that I think that there's a highly likelihood that that's going to happen. You know, um, obviously he's got to he's got to execute, but 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 yeah, I mean, I think there's the strong potential. I mean, so far so good, right? He has looked he's looked really good at the plate, and he hit a big home run today. So, I think. Uh, I think all signs point to to yes there. So and, okay. and yeah, I mean that's what this team's that's what this this off front offices is really good about. They're identifying other people's um, unwanted and undesirables and uh, and turning them into something great because you know they're not uh, you know I don't know I don't know what it is. I, they're not biased. They don't you know they see something that these other teams don't. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a really interesting, it, it seems to be a skill that they've mastered and uh, it, it's really fun to watch. You know, it's really yeah. fun to have stories like that. You know, Alex Dickerson has turned into one of my favorite giants and yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's, um, I'm glad they found it. Glad they well, found and, it. and I know, so just so we can wrap up kind of this last month, I mean, we, at the beginning of the season, everybody was concerned about their defense. They're actually, I think, you know, uh, at some point in the last week, they were leading the league in in fielding percentage. So that hasn't been a problem. Uh, Dickerson today made a great diving catch. Uh, you know, so <laughs> that's you know, right. So he did. We're, we were talking about rough and Dickerson. It was know, rough and Dickerson out there. <laughs> and and yesterday or Saturday, rough made a great great uh, catch over on the you know against the, uh, the the sidelines or foul line. And you know, so I think that these guys are are playing good defense. That's not, not a concern. The bullpen is a concern. And, and I think that they know that seems like they're trying to um, make, make, make it better by subtraction with Peralta. I don't know. So maybe it'll be interesting to see that, you know, this bullpen going forward, how, how that it gets reconstructed because it definitely needs a little bit of help. Uh, but looking forward to next month, we've got, you know, the, so, you know, we've had this great first month. Can we expect the second month to be as good well so in my mind at the beginning of the season i really drew the line for the second month starting with the series that just ended the padres so to me in my mind this was the beginning of the second month and and the reason i drew the line there is because if you look at that through all the way through may 30th the giants will play the padres and the dodgers 13 times so they play, I think, oh, they're going to play 28 games in that period of time, and they're going to play the Dodgers and Padres nearly half those games. And so those are the two teams that everybody says are the best two teams in the National League, and those are the two teams that the Giants have to at least tread water against if they're going to have any hope of, of finishing in the wild card running. And obviously, if the Giants are going to seriously contend for a division title, which a month ago seemed like, an impossibility now seems like definitely something that they they could flirt with and so if they're going to do that they have to play at least 500 baseball against those guys we have to crush them <laughs> um we have to play 500 baseball against those guys and we need to crush the pittsburgh pirates and crush the dodgers <laughs> Yes, I want to crush the Dodgers too, but I will take a three and four record against the Dodgers this month 
and a you know uh, I don't know how many times they're playing the Reds and the Pirates, but but I want that to be five and one if that's six games, which I think is roughly what they're going to be doing. They have to beat the Rangers, who are sitting in last place in the AL West. They have to take those games and. And and I think, you know, I, I'm going to stick with where I was at the beginning of the season because now they'll even be better off than I thought they were going to be then, which is if they go 500 in this month, and it doesn't really matter, like, at the end of the day who they do it against and how they do it. I mean, it matters a little bit for things like tiebreakers and whatnot. But if they finish this month 500, which includes those 13 games against the Dodgers and the Padres, they'll be six games above 500 coming out of two months, and they'll probably be within sniffing distance of first place, if not in first place. And they certainly should be one of the the, the wild card teams at that point. And I think then that's a super fantastic position for them to be in, and I think everything's on the table at that point. So, But this is really the test. This month is really the test. If they come out of this month in that position, then I think everybody is going to have to agree that the Giants are a legitimate contender. And and we should all be very, very excited about what's going to come in the next four months. And that is when we should be expecting to hear some news about how we're going to improve our bullpen if we haven't already improved it by then. Uh, and, and that's my expectation. And that's, yes. So this is a very, very important month. Um, and I'm excited for it. I'm, 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 I'm excited to see how it goes. I want to, yes, bring on those Dodgers. And I would love to crush them. But, you know, at the same time, I'll, like I said, I'll take three out of four as long as they, as long as they stay within sniffing distance. You know, we can, uh, you know, hooker by crook at some point, man. It's just as long as we make the playoffs and, and end up at the World Series and they don't, then I'll be happy. <laughs> That's that's really all I want. Uh, you know, whether they do that one way or another, at the end of the day, I want the Giants in the World Series and the Dodgers not. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, that's what we have to look forward to this month. Okay. So, Matthew, we, we're, we're getting a little bit close to the end of our show here. But, um, you know, I, I think that, that uh, I've noticed that you've been a little bit grumpy. You've been a little bit on edge. You, you've been a little bit, uh, a little bit surly. Uh, not just today, but but a uh, but a couple times this week, and I just wanted to ask you, Matthew, what's bugging you, man? I'll tell you what's been bugging me. Umpires. <laughs> okay, umpires not named Angel Hernandez, believe it or not. Normally, that you know, Angel Hernandez will get me pissed off at least once or twice. Well, he's a, the pinata of the league, right? Like yes. he's the umpire that you're supposed to hate. Yeah, Angel Hernandez is allegedly the worst umpire in baseball. Not allegedly. I, I well, don't know. May, maybe after this weekend, maybe there's some new contenders because I'll tell you what. So the other night, Flores, Wilmer Flores, sweet. Never says a word, Wilmer Flores, up to bat in the ninth inning against Melanson. Famous for showing his emotions on the field, Wilmer Flores. Yes, totally, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and poor Wilmer Flores didn't see a strike in the entire at-bat, didn't swing the bat once, and struck out. And that, to me, was just BS. These umpires are professionals. And if you can't spot a pitch that's four inches off the plate, that you should be umpiring Little League. 
Okay, because Little League, they tell you a ball off the plate is a strike. They want the kids to swing the bats, you know. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but but in the major leagues, that is not a strike. And there's a lot of lot on the line for these umpires to be sitting back there calling pitches like that a strike. And, of course, Melanson's like, oh, that's a strike? Well, I'm just going to keep throwing that. And so he does. And, you know, I just – that that moment really – made me think we need robot umps we have the technology i've got a camera that i'm looking at at home that's telling you it's not a strike and yet the guy you know that's literally two feet from the pitch is like nope that looked good to me we need to fix this we have the technology to do it i don't care that there are umpires unions and things they're going to lose their jobs and all that i don't care i want the calls to be right and, you know, and there was another example earlier in the week, not a Giants game, but former Giant, former Giant great Andrew McCutcheon was running between first and second this week, and he gets called out for running out of the base path, and he never changed his line of running. I mean, I mean, the replays clearly show him running in a direct line from first to second, never left the, 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 the baseline, and he gets called out for running out of the baseline, and you can't review that? Like, we've got technology. Everybody in the planet sees that that call was wrong, but it's a judgment call, and you can't you can't fix that? Like, every call that an umpire makes is a judgment call. Every single one. So don't tell me that, oh, it's a judgment call. We can't change it. F that. It was, a, it, it was wrong. And so I'm just tired. I'm tired of seeing umpires change the game. Like, I just, you know, I just want a strike to be a strike. I want an out to be an out. I, you know, I'm just tired of umpires just screwing up the game. So you ask me what's bugging me. That's what's bugging me. Screw umpires. We need to get the call right. All right, I'm okay now. Thank you for letting me know. <laughs> and that's our show, folks. <laughs> and if you even come at me with this devil's advocate stuff, I'm turning off the computer right now because because there there is nothing that can change my mind on this. Having said that, tell me what your thoughts are. Uh, <laughs> well... So, yeah, I mean, the first thing I would say is that uh, humans are fallible and, and this is a human game. And, you know, we're, we're all they're all just wah, 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 wah. <laughs> no, I no, I, I look, look, we don't watch baseball to see Joe West and Angel Hernandez. That's not why we watch baseball. That's not why the fans make baseball be an industry. We're not there to watch umpires make mistakes. And I, I totally agree with you. Like, if we did have... And I, there are people out there that make arguments of, oh, it should be, you know, ruled and judged by, by humans and, and, and things like that. And I'm like, why? Why should it be ruled and judged by humans? In fact, most people, when they play most sports, there's no referees at all because they just ref the game themselves. And they still play and enjoy the games. You know, so no, are um are umpires a ne necessary part of the game? Do you have to have them? Otherwise, it's not a sport. Of course not. Of course not. But when you're doing it at the professional level, then yes, you need a fair and unbiased adjudicator, and that's why we have umpires. But if you could find another way to get the same result without them and get it done better and more consistently, 
then that would just make the game better. Nobody would miss umpires if they were gone and the game was called 100% correctly all the time. Nobody would miss them. Right. You might you might miss them for a couple of, you know, be like, hey, remember when there used to be umpires and your kids would be like, what's an umpire? And then you'd explain it to them and they'd be like, oh, that's weird. And then they would just go back to playing baseball, hopefully, right. Right. you know. And so if they're not playing video games or something else because, you know, they, they don't want to watch a sport where guys get the, the call wrong all the time. So, you know, yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, like the sport is not about the efficiency, right? It's not. It's they are there because they have to be. But now the thing is, is that maybe they don't have to be. And, you know, I I think one of the areas now I look, there's a lot of things that umpires do that computers can't. And there's a lot of situations that umpires can instantly recognize and make the right call during that that computers can't do and cameras that can't do. And so you, I think you will need human umpires on the field for a long time. So I don't, you know, this whole thing about them losing their jobs, I don't think is, is really relevant because you're going to need those people there because the technology just can't replace everything that they do. So that's really not a concern. I think the concern is that, yeah, you are still going to get some pushback from from the umpires union and you definitely need that. Don't care. <laughs> You definitely need to be the transitional period. But but here's one thing I, I will point out, that Boston University in 2019 did a study where they looked at StatCast pitch data from 2008 to 2018. And they determined that 20% of all balls and strikes calls were made incorrectly. When the batter had two strikes against them, I mean, the, the thing is, is like these numbers are out there. This is countable and measurable, but nobody's talking about it. They don't make it easy to find and access. And I think we can all understand why they don't make it easy to find and access, because that 20% is unacceptable. It's unacceptable. You cannot make the wrong call 20% of the time and have a fair sport. You just can't do it. And so, I mean, yeah, I I agree. They need to solve this problem and they need to solve it as quickly as possible. And they need to continue to push the envelope in terms of what technology can and cannot do. I I think we need to get there as soon as possible to get it out of their hands. Because this isn't. This isn't 1883. I mean, you needed umpires in 1883. Okay. In 2021, we should have freaking R2-D2 out there calling balls and strikes. <laughs> okay. Right. I mean, and so that just get it right. That That's what I want. And if they're messing it up 80 or 20% of the time, not good enough. Not good enough. Yeah. Well, I will say that article that the study did find that uh, that younger umpires seem to have a better track record there, but it's not clear whether that's because of their age or because they have better uh, coaching and training. And so that maybe this is a problem that Major League Baseball didn't know they had until, I don't know, 20 years ago and started training people to be better at it. And uh, and and now that that those those umpires are starting to hit the leagues. Um, but you know the best umpires, according to this study, are guys with the names of. Uh, sorry, I'm looking it up right now. There, uh, the best umpires behind the plate are guys like John Lipka, R two D two, Jason Jason Jansen Visconti, C three PO. These names, I'd see these names are I don't even recognize, and the reason I don't recognize these names is because Will Little, Ben May, I, I recognize Ben May, Ryan Blackney, 
uh, and then Ryan Ad- Additon. Yeah. Anyway, Pat Pal. Goldberg. How? <laughs> <laughs> no. So the point is, is like we don't recognize those names because nobody yells at those guys because they get the calls right. You know. Uh, the one thing I will point out is, is that that you know who does not show up in the top ten list of worst uh, behind the plate in at least in 2018 is Angel Hernandez. He's like number twelve, so he's still pretty bad. He's still pretty bad, but he's not the worst on this list. Which uh, says something about how awful. Yeah. <laughs> there are twelve people worse than Angel Hernandez. Oh my God, we're in a crisis. Uh, yeah. Well. It, yeah. Yeah. There are. Uh, there are. Uh, and so it, I, I think it, it, it is a huge problem. And I think that they obviously need to be pushing the technology to fix these things. Absolutely. And, you know, the thing is they could do it, right? They could have enough cameras on the field where you could extrapolate the lo- location of a player and where they are, uh, based on, you know, the laws of physics and, and the shapes and size of their bodies. And so you don't even need to have a camera be perfect see perfectly everything and by the way umpires never see perfectly everything an umpire is not looking at the ball and looking at the base when they're making the call at first base which is one of the hardest calls to make in 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 umpiring you know so you know the, the fact of the matter is you know why do we have this rule especially in instant replay where you you hold the camera to a higher standard than you hold the umpire who made the original call Especially when it's so obvious that, 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 you know, that the guy, you know, that the call was wrong, but you don't have this irrefutable evidence, which nobody really can define anymore. What does irrefutable evidence mean? Well, I guess it means a clear and obvious camera shot of, of everything that you need to see all in one camera shot. Um, you know, I, it, it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense that, that we hold these, the, the camera and technology to this massively high standard and we hold the umpires to a much, much lower one. And, uh, and the fact of the matter is, like I was saying, you can have technology that could extrapolate all those things. And if you had like three different angles, three different camera angles, then you could triangulate the location of these things in most cases. And yeah, you still have the human out there when the technology fails, right? You still have them out there when, you know, when the technology fails or can't make a determination and you just rely on the human to do it. Um, and, and, and that would be fine. You know, you still have umpires out there. They're still part of the game. There's still somebody for the, the managers to run out and kick dirt on and yell at when, when they're trying to motivate their team. So, you know, you still get old men, you know, throwing their hats down on the dirt and screaming and yelling at somebody. So everybody loves that. So you'll still get to keep that. But but we they need to do this as quickly as possible because it's just embarrassing. It's just embarrassing and infuriating, and it makes you not want to watch the game. I mean, and that's a fan talking Major League Baseball. Like I, you know, I don't get paid to do this. This isn't like you know I'm not writing for some magazine. Like this is just me talking as a fan. You need to fix this because it's lame. So fix it already. Fix it. All right. Well. I think we're up against the hour, so, uh, you know, it's been a a great week. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Giant Cocktails. Uh, You can find me, Matthew, at at Sonoma Y Guy on Twitter. Uh, Ben, where can they find you? Well, you can find me at Watch Ben Fail on both Instagram and Twitter. And I would also add, if you have been listening to our podcast and have been enjoying it and you haven't already, please subscribe on whatever tool you use to, to listen to your podcast so that we can pop up uh, on your feed on a weekly basis and you don't have to go searching for us. 
subscribe, like, review, all those fun stuff. Do it now. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I enjoyed my cocktail while talking baseball with you, Ben, and uh, we'll see you again next week. Cheers, my friend. Yeah. Cheers. Goodbye, everybody.